Ahoy, and welcome to this second episode of Making Marunda. I'm your host, Mike Stevens. Firstly, I would like to say thank you all so much for the feedback and the response to the first episode. Uh, Close friends have had good things to say, but of course that's what close friends do. But also a lot of people that I don't know have hopped onto the Facebook page and the Instagram page, given me a follow and told me that they have enjoyed the show and enjoyed the chat with, well, the first episode was Mark Anderson at Mad Ram Cafe. And of course, I'm so glad to know that the guys down there are still kicking along during lockdown. And we do now have a light at the end of the tunnel, thanks to announcements from Dan Andrews and the City of of Marunda on what we can expect in the coming days and weeks. So there's some good news for the community uh, and I'm, I'm so glad about that. In this episode, I'm chatting with Dale White, the man that runs the public brewery, among other businesses, uh, suburban dining and rooftop, of course, Beckendale's, uh, the farm down there in Warrenwood, just in the little corner. Um, a really, really good chat. Dale basically carries this episode, I have to say. He's he's so good for a good chinwag. Uh, so much wisdom and advice in this episode. And I think perhaps Dale's catchphrase might be, I've got a good story about that. He does seem to have a good story about everything. And I'm glad that he could share a few of those with me in this episode. So tune in. I, I happen to know that already a lot of people have been looking forward to this. Such is Dale's esteem in the community. And I'm so glad I could have him on the show. So please enjoy. And of course, when you're done, hop on to facebook.com slash making Marunda or Instagram making Marunda. Let me know what you think. And please tell your friends as well. You might not think it, but it does make a very, very big difference when you share the show with your friends and family. Uh, It really helps get it out there. And that's pretty hard these days. There are a lot of podcasts and a lot of pages on Facebook. So all the help I can get there would be most appreciated. Now, please enjoy the show and I'll chat to you all very soon. Hello, Maroondarans. I think I've decided that's what we're all called. I still don't know if there's an official word for somebody that lives in Maroondah, but we're going to go with Maroondarans. I'm joined today by Dale White, the, I believe, owner and operator or with some partners there, maybe Dale, in the Public Brewery and a number of other venues. Um, Dale, first, feel free to correct me and also welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, Here it is. It's myself and a couple of mum and dad and friend investors and uh, another... uh, Key investor is Phil Monday, another local business identity that's been around for a lot longer than I have. Well, absolutely. That would scare the pants off me asking family and friends for money. I've thought about it before. I've always wanted to launch a business, but God, I'd be scared of letting them down. <laughs> so well, that, that, you haven't. That, sorry, that you, fear never actually goes away, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. I guess, um, well, you don't like to think about that side of things really, but it could happen, yeah. Um, yeah. Dale, first, mate, I, I want to say um, for me personally, uh, the brewery, the public brewery has played a... Um, well, it played a surprisingly significant part in my partner and I deciding to move back to the area. Um, I grew up, uh, well, in my teen years in Warrenwood and around Ringwood and so on. Um, and then I moved into the inner north to be a hipster for a while, like all of uh, a lot of young people do. And I got really attached to, you know, the Little Creatures Food Hall and a number of other great pubs, Great Northern and so on. Um, forgotten half of them. I've been back here too long. But it was really cool to know that in the time that I'd been gone, a really exciting an amazing little venue had opened up that was like a slice of Brunswick or Fitzroy uh, right in the heart of Croydon. And that, that actually made a pretty big factor in deciding to move back. So firstly, thank you for that. Uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, that's, that's lovely. Um, that's exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to uh, build a place which other people had in their 
in their uh, neighbourhoods. Mm. My, my, I thought the young people deserved one here. <laughs> That's very good. Very community-minded. I like it. <laughs> um, I, I sort of feel like I've noticed that there are uh, on my little walks because I am very fashion focused guy I don't mind saying and I see there's a lot of people walking around that I feel like probably also spent a, a few years living in the inner suburbs so maybe the breweries had an effect on uh, a number of people coming to the area uh, if, if we go back a little bit yeah. we my, my wife and I Beck and I started uh, Beckendale's in 2005 um, which is just up the road from the brewery yeah. a little um, seven day a week licensed cafe when we opened uh, the cafe in 2005, there was, it was only us and Hans Music Spot open in Croydon on a Sunday. And um, so if when you talk, you notice a few people walking the streets now, as someone who's grown up here and lived here, the demographic of Maroondah is changing dramatically, mm-hmm. dramatically. And it is a very much younger, hipper, more fashionable style of person. All the units are being built in the area. Yeah. They're not they're not cheap and they're, they're, they're built with a style which is that inner city living, you know. Well, that's that's something I wanted to touch on in a little bit, actually. But the first thing I wanted to get to, because obviously the um, the the time and the environment we're living in at the moment, uh, and and the reason for the show's creation is the fact that we're all in lockdown in the moment. So, I want to know how how are you handling that at the moment? How are things going? Is takeaway enough to keep things going? Are you, are you doing okay? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I, I would have been surprised if you were. I mean, it you would know, be a pretty dramatic um, change, isn't it? For, for all the people in Maroona that know me, I'm a pretty straight up kind of guy. <laughs> um, we, our business, look, I, I understand. I'm, I'm brave enough to say when there's great fires, there's people who are affected and there are people who are not affected. When mm. there's great floods, there's people who are affected and there's people who are not affected. So what we're in, a, in an unprecedented time at the moment. And unfortunately, hospitality and tourism is at the forefront of the pain, I think, of... Yes. Uh, of what's going on here, and unfortunately, it is a very emotional time for a lot of people. And I think there is a lot of uh, a lot of pain to still come before we come out the other side of this. That's for sure. Um, my businesses have been greatly affected. We um, we've had a very emotional time over the last couple of weeks. Well, you've had we've, to close most of them, haven't you? Yeah, that's right. Some of ours were not viable. We having having um, a fairly uh, confident business structure with Phil and myself um, under the guidance of of Phil. We we could see that some of them weren't viable and we were going to spend a lot of money um, changing our business model or or trying to curb what we did in an environment where it just wasn't going to be viable. Mm-hmm. So we, we made the really gut-wrenching decision to close the businesses um, and we've still got the brewery open and the bottle shop and, and that's a lot of that is for our business identity in the community. We've got a lot of uh, strong ties to a lot of friends in the area. Yeah. And um, we're we're doing our best. We we've got all of our staff on JobKeeper, which is that's great. been a, that's been a really big commitment from our company. There's no doubt that um, we have a significant payroll at the time that the at the time of the incident in uh, the pandemic shooting off, we had about 120 people employed across the group. Uh, across the group, right. yeah. And uh, unfortunately, some of those fell outside the JobKeeper, and we've been trying very hard to keep in touch with them and. But um, it's been a very turbulent time to weigh our business through that. It wasn't easy and there's been a lot of upsets and we hope that we've done the right thing and that we're looking after everyone the best we can. So, And that's all you can do at the end of the that's day. That's all we can ever do. And, and at the same time, it didn't come with a rule book this time. You know, um, if this happens, push this button. If this happens, push that button. Yeah. We didn't get that. The rules were changing so fast that the panic of 
the uncertainty was definitely a big part of the decision making. Absolutely. And I think JobKeeper came a, a couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks after, you know, the sort of starting to talk about lockdown had even happened. So there would have been a lot of uncertainty in that time as well. A hundred percent. And the other thing too is there's a, I read one quote, which has been really hard for us and, and for the wider community. I know there's a lot of confusion about it. JobKeeper isn't a payment to the employee. It's a reimbursement to the employer for paying the employee. So you've got to have the money in the first place. Yeah, we had to give it over first, you know, oh, and, and to try and it's been very, very hard. So now, and once you're at the top of the food chain, I'm not going to deny it all. Once you're the director of a company and you're an employer and stuff, it is a bit lonely at the top when you're mm. trying to make these decisions on behalf of everyone. And, mm. and it's very hard to keep everyone informed. And, you know, uh, we just hope that we've done the right thing. And I believe... Our business is it's got a pretty strong moral compass, and I think we've uh, in, when we wash out the other side of this incident, the the 2020 incident, we'll um, <laughs> we'll hopefully we'll be able to hold our head high and say we did the right thing, even though. You know, it's been a bit of a rough, rough, bumpy road, you know. Well, as you say, I mean, there was only so much that you could do. You feel you've done everything that you can. and I just think it, it's a timing thing. So there's been a lot of uncertainty and a lot of period without, you know, casual work and stuff and people get scared. And um, I think the, the reality is that the whole community has to actually hold hands and come together to get through this, not sort of we can't find blame or panic or, you know, we all have to sort of steady the ship together. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. How are you? Um, when you said that you'd closed the other the other venues, do you mean closed for good, or are they just in hibernation, so to speak? Oh, fingers crossed, mate. It's not hope. Let's not uh, talk about for good. No. So, so you, is it is <laughs> we, it hard to say what, at this point, or you, you do genuinely expect to be able to reopen? We, we we are intending to reopen. Absolutely, right. we we are working our our guts out at the moment to put things in place, and even even reinvesting in some of our businesses at the moment at a stretch to tidy things up and fix things that were broken. And but um for for our big one in Ringwood, the suburban dining um and rooftop in Ringwood in Town Square, there it's a big three story venue. It's yeah. a five hundred it's a five hundred seat venue. You know, government restrictions earlier set it to a hundred, so that's a that's one fifth of your revenue. Mm-hmm. So you have to make decisions there. It's not set up for takeaway food. No one's going to go into the shopping centre to get takeaway food. So we uh, we made a decision to close that. Did and, you explore uh, the option of um, you know Uber Eats and, and deliveries in general from that venue? We did, but once again, the menu, the style of the food, mm. the, the the style of the venue. We weren't. We would have spent money and invested um, a lot of time and money into a menu and into a style of delivery which doesn't actually suit the brand and it doesn't actually suit making money, you know? And um, I think there has been, you'll see a lot in the, a lot of trending has changed. We're going to see a different landscape when we come out the other side of this too. So the big, the big Deliveroo and, uh, and please Deliveroo and uh, Menulog and all those companies, please don't come after me. But um, (laughs) you'll see a lot of, a lot of people doing a lot of self delivering now, a lot of um, pick up to take away because in in our industry, in the hospitality industry, and definitely in the food industry, booze is a little bit different because you can make a little bit more margin on booze. But food, the margin's pretty tough, and it's a pretty competitive market. And um, when in such a delicate time when we're losing market share and you're losing um, revenue, to be sharing that out into the um, other companies to deliver your food when you've got staff on JobKeeper and stuff, we we actually just decided to uh, make make the deliveries ourselves and get the staff you know, to do it ourselves. And yeah. 
it's it's included the staff and it's been a touch of base to the community. They're seeing the kids who they order the food from are actually delivering it to them, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And it's uh, I guess that's a good, um, as you say, not only is it keeping the staff involved and giving them something really just to do during this time, but also it's reminding the community that you're keeping the staff involved as well. So it's it's good from a branding perspective too, if, if we want to talk talk that side of things. But, that's so, that's yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I don't know. I mean, I've seen you around the brewery, but I've never really had cause to come up and say hello. I'm not the sort of random g'day, nice to meet you kind of guy. But um, I think myself and, and certainly the listeners would love to know a bit more about Dale White, the man. Um, you had the you had Beckendale's already, the cafe up the up on the corner there. But how did you get started in all of this? How did you start with Beckendale's? Do you have a background in hospitality before that? No way, Jose, mate. There was no way I'd had a hospitality background. So my wife and I, We've been together for a long time. We were uh, very young lovers, 18 and 20. Oof. And and um, that was a long time ago, mate. Yeah. Um, so Beck is a filmmaker and a writer oh, cool. and an artist. And we were growing up. I bought a house locally. I went to I went to Croydon High School. I've uh, got the tattoos to prove that. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we grew up in the area and we bought a house in uh, East Ringwood or South Croydon. And um, we went travelling and I said to Becca, look, if I'm going to keep going to work, I was working uh, for Panasonic back in the day with my brothers um, in the big warehouse there. Oh, wow. And uh, then I got working on the tools for a mate of mine. We were building, doing some commercial building. And um, we went on a holiday. To, my wife was a trekker and she went away and I met her in Asia. And we were in Chiang Mai, in the old city of Chiang Mai. And we got up and we had a coffee and we both looked at each other and said, "Let's go. Let's go home and open a cafe in Croydon." Just like that. Just like that. And we came home and went about opening a cafe with no business experience. No, we. <laughs> you 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 made a joke before we started this interview about taking people's your family's money. Yeah. I want to know why none of my family said, "What are you two doing? <laughs> why are you doing this?" No, that's had... that's a, that's quite encouraging to know that they had so much faith in you to give that a crack. That's fantastic. I don't know what they were, I don't know what they were thinking, but <laughs> I do have I have a beautiful story. Jeff Thompson, who's another identity in Croydon, he owned Barry Plant for a long time. Um, he used to watch us across the window, and he's like, "Who are these two kids in there having a crack?" And he'd come over at the end of the day, "What are you doing?" We'd tell him what he was doing. Next day, he'd come up. We'd be here before he was at work. Jeez, they're there again. He'd go to go. <laughs> he'd go home, and we'd still be here. And he'd walk over. What'd you get done today? And he said, if you two are going to have such a crack, I'm going to support you. And we're now lifelong friends and uh, share a great friendship just from his encouragement of, if you're going to turn up every day and keep working as hard as you are, I'm going to come and buy a coffee from you. That's and, terrific. You know, that's how it all started. How did you, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a segue now, but I mean, it, it's of personal interest to me because hospitality is something I've got zero experience in. A lot of members of my family do, but I, I never never went down that road myself. But I love the idea of opening a cafe and everybody tells you, don't do it. If there's one thing you shouldn't get into, it's hospitality because most startups in that industry fail and you don't want to yeah. be one of them. So how did you have the, the confidence to just dive in at I've the deep got, end? We've got the best story about this. Go. So every Friday night, there would be 10 people at our house having beers, on the balcony, overlooking the Dandenongs. Built-in customer base. Cook, cooking dinner. On Sunday morning, there would be 10 people at our house having breakfast, having coffees, looking at the mountain on our balcony. And we actually opened Beckendale's because people used to get a phone call from their partner and say, where are you? And they'd say, oh, we're just at Beckendale's. <laughs> and it was like, we're like a shop, mate. We're already like a shop. Uh... And uh, Beck's, Beck's sister once said to us, you should charge people for this. And we were like, 
yeah, we should. And uh, and then probably a year and a half later, we had Beckendales. That's so cool. And I do love the name as well because I came across the, the cafe before I'd known that either of you um, existed, basically. Uh, and yeah. I, I looked at the name and it never occurred to me that it was two names pushed together, but I liked it anyway. It just sounded good on its own. It's kind of like Chippendales, yeah. Beckendales sort of thing. Yeah, and the other thing too is it doesn't say cafe. It was just a place. We just opened a place, Yeah, you know. No, and there's a there's a really cool vibe in there as well. Sort of a bit of a um, milkshake shop kind of kind of uh, vibe in there, which is cool. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, on the topic of the brewery, I sort of let's let's move away from lockdown stuff. That's all a bit depressing. It is the sort of the purpose of the show, but I'd love to know more about um, each of your little projects that you've got there. As far as the brewery goes, I'm I'm sitting here scrolling through that beer reviews website, Untapped, right now, and it's a pretty well regarded venue in terms of what people think of your brews, but also the the dining hall <laughs> itself. How are you finding in general the response in the community among you know not just the enthusiasts but regular punters as well? Yeah, I think what's what's um, been a real big backbone backbone for uh, the brewery is after having after having so much um, experience with Beckendales and the community got to know Beck and I and our staff and all those sorts of things. We built the brewery, or I got around building the brewery after listening to our community already. We were listening to our clients. Oh, you need to open up something at night. You need to, yeah, do, you know. And and it was actually almost if you want to. Uh, be a bit, you know, guru about it. I, I built it because people asked me, if you build it, they will come, you know. <laughs> of and, course. and that's kind of the way that it happened. It was a very organic um, process. I had the opportunity to, to get my hands on the property. It's mm-hmm. one of the most iconic buildings in, uh, in Maroondah. Have you bought that? Are you releasing that? No, it's a funny story. I already knew Phil Monday and Phil Monday owns... He he bought the property, uh-huh. and he was he was going to knock it over. Oh no! And um, um, yeah, I met I met Phil through Jeff, who I was talking about before. Yeah. And um, and I was like, what? No, no. <laughs> and I I literally I can tell I can I ran down the road from the cafe when I heard I saw his car was down there, and I ran down the road physically and said, Phil, I need to talk to you. Don't knock it over. I've got an idea. So that was the and moment. He looked, and he looked like I was mad. I probably was a little bit mad. But um, that was the day that I got an opportunity to sit down and talk about my idea and someone went, wow, that you, is actually a really good idea. Do you think it would have still happened if not for all those pieces sort of falling together like that? No, nah, it never happens like that, mate. It only happened because of that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. The, yeah. um, the, the building itself is gorgeous and I love that you have the live music up in the, basically almost in the rafters up the top there. <laughs> uh, what, what, are the, um, what do the musicians think of that little space up there? Oh, they think it's hot or it's cold. But that's okay. <laughs> we're not. Well, we're not here. We're not here to keep them happy. They're here to keep us happy. You know. I, I like it. True entrepreneur, and it's right above the fireplace as well. So I, I should hope it'd be reasonably warm in winter up sure, there. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Look, I think something about that is in in our local area. Well, even out in the eastern suburbs, there's not too many places where we do have. A, most of the artists that we play are original. Mm-hmm. They're playing original music. Um, we support very. Um, bespoke artists they're not big rock bands we're talking about artists you know yeah and um there isn't a big avenue for that and um we've been able to um have a couple of really big artists play at the brewery over the over the last couple of years dave graney played a set there um, oh i missed that yeah no we did we've done dinners and a show with um some really fantastic artists and uh hopefully that's something that can and you do trivia night too don't you trivia is funny when the guys said they want to do trivia, I said you're mad. 
So it comes back to all the hipsters that you're talking about walking dogs and walking prams <laughs> and walking and walking prams is a big part of it. Yep. Um, is I wasn't, a, I wasn't about trivia. I was like, yeah, oh, I think it's the wrong, you know, we're not in, we're it's not a in very college. pub thing to do. We're not in Fitzroy. Mm. Um, it's been booked out every Wednesday night for nearly three years. That's cool. I'm like, it's a thing. It is really a thing. And the people who come are passionate. We call them our passionate nerds. They love it. Yep. They love it. And and it's a place, once again, out east, there's not too many places that are putting their hand up to do a trivia night on a Wednesday night and, and a craft beer. And, you know, so it's a real place that people have, uh, we're doing it because they they want to do it. So we're doing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's one it of the many be. things I keep meaning to come in to, to give a go. So if it's booking out all the time, I better get onto that. Well, when the venue reopens yes. anyway. Absolutely. Um. As we've discussed already, there are a number of businesses under the, the Public Brewery Group umbrella and uh, a couple of them I didn't realise until I jumped on the website today to sort of catch up on things. I, I knew about um, Suburban uh, and and the Maku uh, beers that you're doing as well. Um, what is, I think there's one there that's Sunday Brewing. There doesn't seem to be a website attached to that one. Uh, yes, that's it's uh, it's called Public Brewing Company. It, it, if it's still on the website as Sunday Brewing, I better get something done about I, that. I better right. double check, but I think there's a logo on there that says Sunday Brewing. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we also have a, a commercial brewery that isn't at Croydon in Lacey Street. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a bigger facility where we actually turn out. What happened was we built the brewery in Croydon, um, and the brew house at Croydon and the, and the cellar that we have at Croydon is great for the size of being a little brew pub for Croydon. Mm-hmm. Um, when we expanded to do uh, Ringwood, the big venue in Ringwood, we needed more beer, which is a bit of a problem. So, um, <laughs> a good problem to have, I suppose. Correct. So we built a bigger brew house and uh, commissioned a big brew house with a big. Uh, um, it makes a lot more beer than what Croydon does, mm-hmm. and um, we have a facility in Kilsyth, which is very beautiful. We've just uh, upgraded that out there before uh, this all happened. Oh, that's cool. And do you do that, tours? That, uh, we will be. We yeah, will cool. be. Only, literally, only just got up and bouncing um, oh, no. before before at the start of the year. So yeah. um, we've got a whole vision for that, and that's to take our beers to market at sort of a bit a bit more of a scale, mm-hmm. become a bit more of a serious player. We've just gone through a whole series of new packaging, and uh, we're getting into the marketing start, side of that now. But once again. It's very hard to distribute beer at the moment when yeah. no one's allowed to go anywhere. No, exactly. I've um, got a bit of a, a personal story there myself. My, um, funnily enough, love drinking beer like most guys, but I don't know anywhere near enough about it uh, as perhaps I should if I want to call myself a, a beer enthusiast. But um, my brother-in-law is actually head brewer for a new brewery in uh, Brisbane called Felons. They're just under the, wow. um, under the I think it's called the Story Bridge up there, but the, they're at the Howard Smith Wharves and the location is astonishing and the venue is terrific and I'm so jealous that he gets to do that for a day job, although many would say I have a dream job as well. Um, but So the, the question where I'm going there is, what's the standing like for for your venue, for your brewery um, in in the industry, so to speak? You know, is it well regarded? Uh, because yeah. I assume that's, a, that's, you know, sort of yet another thing you don't have a history in, am I right? Yeah, no, correct. Mm. Um, we what we are is we really focus on being community based brewery. We realise we're not a big player. Mm-hmm. Um, we realise we've we've got venues which are part. We we also support the industry. We also had a hundred other types of beers from Victoria in our bottle shop. We also rotate beers from other breweries through our bars. So we we support the beer industry through and through. Yeah. But um, two years ago or three years ago, we were voted in the top ten brew pubs in Australia. Oh, far out. And that, yeah, that really um, 
that really put us on the map. That's amazing. So, I mean, they'd be they'd probably by now be more than fifty brew halls in in Victoria. I mean, that sort of concept has really correct. taken off. Correct. That was voted through Brewer, uh, Beer and Brewer, which is a fantastic industry magazine. Mm-hmm. So that was probably the highlight of our. And we've won a couple of awards at uh, the. We've entered the Australian International Beer Awards the last couple of years, and we've won a couple of silver medals with that. Um, we won one for Marku in its first year, which mm-hmm. is a really exciting um, opportunity. So yeah, obviously we we are an identity. I think it's also our our profile was raised because we actually spend so much money in the industry as well um we are a bar that when you come to you can also um drink other people's beer which is yeah. a bit rare when it comes to microbreweries normally they just push their own barrow yeah all, all the ones that i've been to are obviously very focused on their own product so it's definitely a unique aspect of, yeah of, it's, a, it's a it's a generous business model one that often bites you sometimes but um you, you're forfeiting a bit of your own market share to create a an environment and sometimes you know at the end of the day we don't brew every type of every style of beer that everyone wants to buy mm-hmm. and we and if you can support other people and make friends it's better than uh the other way isn't it well i and i i quite love that you do it because i've i've had a number of your beers at the bar as well but i'm um very much i'm sort of a one lane kind of guy i tend to stick to dark beers i love stouts and so on Yep. I, I remember a lot of times that there just hadn't been an option of yours on tap at the time. Um, Correct. So knowing that there was that wider variety there and uh, really accommodating all tastes, as you say, that is a really unique thing for you to do. And it, I guess in some ways it, it means that you've definitely always got something to offer, even if it's not your own product. So very well, much about the customer. Have, that's right. You got what you wanted, even though we didn't have it. That's so right. that still worked. Yeah. And you were still, and you were still in our pub. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was eating the food and, and so on. So that's right. That's you still right. got a bit of cash out of me. Um, I think it's sometimes, sometimes the more you give away, the more it comes back, you know? That's a really good, really good perspective. Um, I wanted to say that I remember sort of when I was a, a young lad out here, we moved here from uh, the inner eastern suburbs in the early 90s. And I remember at the time thinking that, uh, you know, there might be some locals listening that won't appreciate this, but a bit of a sort of country town at the time, not a lot going on. Eastland was much smaller at the time and your restaurants were your Indian and Thai and Chinese and so on and uh, fish and chips and pizza, of course, but not really much in the way of trendy, um, stylish venues and that's changed everywhere in the past decade. But as far as Maroondah goes, and you've obviously been in business a long time now here, how have you found that build up and change around you while you've been doing your thing as well? Oh, it's been um, an amazing change. And I still think we are going to see more of that come through. Um, I, I said earlier that uh, when we opened Beckendale's in 2005, we were the only um, business with Hands Music Spot open on a Sunday. We were yeah. the only cafe, cafe open on a Sunday. And now there's 12 cafes open in the main street of Croydon on, a, on the weekend. That's really cool. Uh, that's... Uh, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. It says, <laughs> I, I can still say that we were here first. You know, that's... Uh, well, are you doing well? That, yeah. Well, that's but, um, In regards to the um, the food, I think the clientele that's moved to the area dictates what's in the area. Mm. And I think um, we were talking earlier about the, the change of um, demographic and, and they, will, they will demand change. They will demand um, the bar to be risen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we did see at Ringwood, we, we opened, before it was Suburban Dining and Rooftop, it was the cellar door. Cellar we, door. We, had a, 
we did a bit of a revamp of it when it didn't work. We, we also, the other thing that I'm very proud of is I can take one on the chin, you know, and we listen to the community. And um, we really had to re, revamp um, the cellar door and rebrand it into suburban dining because the food did miss the mark there. And we listened to the clientele and what they wanted. And I think we've really... Um... That's really interesting because I was actually going to come to that um, later that uh, I'd first heard about the cellar door when I was chatting with a, a gent that used to work behind the bar at the brewery, Patrick. Um, I used to talk to him a lot and yep. um, he'd mentioned it. So my partner and I went and checked it out and we, we had my birthday dinner there once early on oh, as well. Uh, and it was gorgeous. I mean, the food was reminiscent of what I had come to love in hipster town in Fitzroy. Uh, and, and that really did something for me. Again, it was another reason to not have to drive 30Ks into the city when I could just hang out in my own town and, and contribute to the economy of my own town. So what, what didn't work about that? I, have, I haven't actually been there since it was rebranded. So what, what has changed? Um, I think the, the pitch of Eastland when we developed, we were, we were involved in the concept One of, of the first, yeah. we, were, we were a part of that whole development. And um, I just think that we rate, it was probably a little bit too toffee. Um, people, we probably, the wines were a bit too expensive. The, okay. the, everything was a little bit too exclusive and a little bit too fancy. Mm -hmm. And, and that's okay. That's totally okay. Um, we, we just needed to make, but people wanted a big gastro pub. They mm -hmm. wanted a, a, not, not chicken palmers and, and fish and chips, but a gastro pub and in a bit more of a relaxed manner. And, um, we could do that and we wanted to do that and yeah. we wanted to be we wanted to be that person you know that's really interesting i'm intrigued by that i mean i as i say having grown up in the area i i, I like to think i know the people of the area i played footy here and all that sort of stuff i i would have thought that there were enough newcomers to the area that what the cellar door was offering was actually right for the for the people of this time what? but obviously i've not. got i've got the best scenario i've got the best uh, analogy of it i would prefer you instead of spending 150 bucks in one visit, I'd prefer you to come three times and spend fifty bucks. Yeah, fair enough. So, you might spend you might spend one hundred and fifty bucks once a month, or you could come every Friday night and meet your mate and and then it's more lively and it's pumping rather that's, than people just coming once a year. It creates why it creates a difference of why you go there, and that's something that my wife and I have been very um, strong on on our venues when we built Beckendale's at the beginning we built a place for people to come to to have coffee and breakfast and, and feel cosmopolitan in suburbia yeah when we when we built the brewery we built it one of the most important re reasons that the public brewery has been successful I built I, I we built a beer hall in a tin shed <laughs> now if you get that wrong you've got hot rods and motorbikes parked out the front and that's it. You've got your clientele for the rest of the time. Yeah. Now we had a really, really concerted design element to the business, which was going to be attractive to women. And it was going, we've got flowers and plants and, and I've got a, a saying that if you get the boys, you may never get the girls. Yeah. But if you get, the, if you get the girls, you're always going to get the boys. That's, that's some very savvy thinking. I like that. I'll have to keep that in mind. So, but that, that explains why when you go to, um, Croydon, it's so inviting because it's not gendered. We made a spe very special effort to not make it too beery, mm -hmm. you know. And um, and then at Ringwood, we we built a very fancy place in the beginning with the cellar door, and it is beautiful, and it is it did everything that it needed to do, except we people wanted to come more often, and it became that once a month place, 
Yeah. And it became that for my special, as you said yourself, for my special birthday place. Well, that's what it was for me. I'd, I'd, I'd been there twice and loved it both times, but it was a special yeah. place when I, had, frankly, had the budget to visit. So you're, so That's you're right. right. That's yeah. the, but, but a 500-seater, well, it needs 500 people in there most yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. And the rooftop in particular as well. I've been up there just the one time, but my partner and I went yeah. up there, I think, for, for our anniversary. So we sort of really sort of set that venue aside as being our birthday and anniversary kind of that's venue, actually. Correct, correct. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, so what we've cool. tried to do, yeah, is widen that up and, and make it more appealing more often. Yeah. And, and not be so – you can just pop in for a beer when you're going to buy some shoes. You can pop in on the to meet someone there for a cheeky beer and a bowl of chips on a Friday afternoon after work, yeah. you know? That's really cool. Yeah. I like what you said before as well about the um, – you know, it's inviting for – men and women alike at the brewery because I remember thinking when we moved to the area that you know I love going to the to the brewery but one of the things I loved in town one of the venues I went to the most um, back in those days was the Beaufort uh, which is something else now but I think it's on not Rathdown Street I can't can't remember where it was now but that was this really cool um, dive bar you know in that that little moment in time when all guys had the shaved sides the side part the long beard that real hipster yep. look that venue was was uh, like a little focus point for for that community and it was it yeah. was your uh, deep fried pickles and and your um philly yeah. cheese steaks and all that sort of stuff as hipster as it gets exactly yeah. and I, I love the idea of opening up something like that right in main street you know if i could but you're right yeah that's that's probably a little too much of a blokey vibe in a venue like that so i should keep that in mind you just have to be careful. You know, we, yeah. we've got a we've got a talking about um, great venues of people who are giving it a crack. Uh, Big Johnny Worcester, who used to work for us at the public brewery, we met him through the brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, he opened up Ten Saints down the other end of Main Street, which love is it. a a whiskey bar. Yeah, and um, we look, we wish Johnny all the best. We uh, we love Johnny; he's a great guy, um, very big American dude. But um, he bought that American whiskey bar thing to Croydon, and you know, we've got our fingers crossed and hope that you know. They they kick goals when that is when they bounce back. They closed very early. My my heart goes out to them. They closed very early yeah, at the yeah. beginning of this. Well, I hope and, I have um, a chat with them as well. It's I've been there a few times, uh, and yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a really nice venue and has its own little vibe. So it's you know it's another great little yeah. um, venue that's not in too much competition I, with you guys. So I, sh- I should. Oh no, there's no competition, mate. We're all friends. I will oh. I will share I will share this with you. We did get a little bit cheeky. Um, I only found about out about this post the event, but um, the Ten Saints are open uh, later than we are at the brewery. Yes. So when it was, when it was closing time, our staff used to always send them down to see Johnny and say, "Oh, they've just come from uh, they've just come from the public brewery." And um, and if you don't mind, they said that if we came from the public brewery and mentioned them, you'd give us a free pot. Oh, nice. <laughs> they they never did, but geez, we used to push them for a few free pots. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I've 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 done that as well. I mean, unfortunately, it is. Real shame for me that you guys close as early as you have to because I often can't get in until after eight once the kids are in bed and the partner lets me yes. uh, lets me duck out. Um, so it's not that long that I can actually hang out in the brewery. So my mates and I will often wander down to Ten Saints after. So I'm glad to have that yeah. backup plan. Um, but actually, yeah, we're, we're, on that topic, what is the what is the deal there with the the license? Is it something to do with the residential space around? Is that right? With with uh, the, the, the closing time, the, yeah, yeah. We just have to be respectful. There's a lot of units across the road, and mm. um, I. Uh, we bent over backwards to um, accommodate the council to get the, the brewery through in the first place. So um, to get the to get the license and to go through what we did, you sort of got to pay a bit of respect to the neighbours and and uh, own up to where we are. You know, yeah. is it a sore spot though? If I can ask, like not being able no, to no, 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 oh no, no, not at all, not at all. We've got a fantastic relationship. Um, 
one of the we've got a pretty as I said before we've got a pretty strong moral compass in the business and mm-hmm. um, we've never had any dramas at the at the brewery we you know if you're standing in front of a fire and listen to Johnny Cash and you want to get into a fight maybe you shouldn't be there in the first place yeah. you know do you get any of that do you get get no, a bit carried no. away never That's never cool. ever yep I guess they, seven, as you say they can't really stick around long enough to to get a bit um, seven years of, well well we we try and change people's behaviour from the beginning you know you can see. If you if you're engaged with your client, you're engaged with the room as a as a business. You those issues don't happen, mate. It's when you when you take advantage of individuals who aren't in a good place, or you you know you're overloading people. You know when you're doing that, and yeah. we, that's not that's not something that we do or we're interested in. That's great. I like that a lot. Um, moving on. Uh, in in the area again, we sort of talked about. Um, the the other venues and the way the area has grown in the area. What would you actually like to see? What what's still not accomplished in the area as far as the the offerings in the community? Is there anything particular you'd love to see happen or change about the the space around your venues or Maroondah in general? Yeah, for people to be allowed to go to pubs again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hopefully a very short term concern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I think overall, I think. Um, I, I'd like to also say at the moment, I'm also on the uh, uh, Marunda Liquor Accord and on the oh. executive of. So I'm also involved working with Vic Pole and local government in, um, you know, having a say in what what's going on behind the scenes of mm-hmm. the industry. You know, um, I think that um, overall, the the venues that we have are fantastic. I think um, there's a lot of legislation that that goes in behind um, pubs and clubs to make them compliant to the behavioural things and that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, one of the bigger problems at the moment, I think, is packaged liquor outlets probably um, need to be a bit more regulated. I think that's where I'd like to see a bit of change. Sorry, it's is that as in like bottle shops? Yeah, yeah, like takeaway bottle shops. Yeah, the, right. yeah, there's not too much. There's not a lot of responsibility once it's purchased and it walks out the door. You know, understood. we've got to be – we're actually responsible to when people get home, you know. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. understood. Um What's uh, Dale, Dale the man, what's Dale into? What do you do when you're not running, uh, you know, when you're not directing four separate, five separate uh, little companies in your group there? Um, I did say I was born and bred in uh, in Croydon. Mm-hmm. I uh, one, Probably one of my proudest things is I'm a, last year I was inducted as a life member to the South Croydon Football Club. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I played so, for Norwood, so I'm not supposed to find oh, that impressive. Hello, but, hello. Uh, well, but we my, can't talk. Hang up, hang up. <laughs> Mind you, we were in fourth division. I was, uh, I was very politely given marching orders when they got aspirations to reach first division. <laughs> hey, don't worry, mate. I've spent, I, I played three quarters of my career in third division proudly. Don't yep. worry about that. Yep, that's nah, the way. Um, I'm, very, I'm a very passionate um, supporter of the community. I've been a big part of South – well, South Croydon Football Club has been a big part of my life. Um. I'm a bit of a car enthusiast. I've mm-hmm. got a couple of cars, probably more cars than my wife would like me to have. Yeah, um, you're not you're not actually an enthusiast until your wife's not happy about it. I think. That's... Correct, correct. <laughs> I'm I'm a Volkswagen man. I've got a couple of combis and oh, that's uh, cool. A beautiful 1958 Carmen Gear, which oh, is. Uh, I think I've seen that. Do you bring that to the brewery at times? I think I've seen. Yeah, that a little. Yeah, that's a beautiful little car. Yeah, they're an all-time um, favorite. I think the Carmen Gear and the what is it? The Volvo. P eighteen hundred, I think, from memory. That the, the one that looks like a Carmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. P something it is. It P, is, yeah. Beautiful yeah, cars, P, both of them. Absolutely. Um, and I think the other thing that I should mention is my wife and I've got a little three-year-old, so uh, ah. that, that's a pretty busy way to keep busy. That's for sure. I think about that a lot. We, I sort of, 
I don't regret my kids, but I do regret not kicking something off before we had our kids because now my aspirations are on pause while I focus on uh, raising a four-year-old and a two-year-old. So, um... Well, you know what? I could just say this to you, mate. Do it anyway. And let them watch... <laughs> no, no, and let them watch you do it. And that's more of a lesson in life. You don't have to leave them behind. But mm. this is a problem, mate. I hear people say this all the time. But I'm, I guess I'm talking to you and to anyone who listened to this podcast. But you take all you can do is lead by example. And if you're given up a dream because you've got a kid well that read that in when they're 15 to them that's a terrible message to tell yeah, them good point but you know i plan it mate get your get go to the news agent buy your exercise book and you never know what's going to happen mate yeah yeah, that's a really good point. Have a crack. Have a crack. Well, that's that's where I wanted to go next. I'll talk a little bit about advice. You know, you, you now, you've been doing this sort of thing for a while. You've got multiple businesses. What sort of advice would you offer the likes of myself or anybody else in Marinda that would like to either break into whether it be hospitality or, or just in general a business in the area? I'm, I, would, I really appreciate this question because I'm going to say this. It hasn't been a smooth ride for Beck and I. Mm-hmm. We have been up and down to the community it would look like everything we touch turns to gold it does <laughs> um yeah it does but geez you gotta do a lot of rubbing mate i tell you yeah I bet. um but um we we got some pretty poor advice in the beginning um we had some poor poor, poor legal advice and poor accountancy um and i probably gave a bit too much kudos to mentors who probably didn't have the right message for me mm-hmm. um but meeting when we started the business, I got involved with Phil and Phil moved away to build an amazing empire himself in the panel industry in Australia. But he, um, a year and a, a year ago, Phil and I did a, a deal to come quite close and work closely together. Um, what I've learned off Phil in the last, you know, 18 months has changed my life and my professional life forever. Um, so I would say, listen and learn from, make sure you look deep into the right people that mm-hmm. are around you. Um, I'm a very trusting person and I'm a very loving person. And uh, on my journey, some of that's probably been taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't get that, what I was trusting in someone checked, you know. But on the other side of that, I believe in who we are and what we do. And I think we, as a couple, my wife and I and, and my partners, I think when you put so much love and care and effort into something, the community sort of, Oh, they, they they pay you back, you know, and they look after it and they respect it. You know, I, we've we've closed Beckendales um, during this COVID nineteen pandemic, mm-hmm. and we we are planning to reopen on a very limited um, a, a limited option in the next couple of weeks. And um, I believe I believe once we tell our people that we are going to be opening the doors at eight o'clock, I believe I can go to sleep at night because there will be a line at the door at eight o'clock of people who want to be a part of what we built again. Do you know what I mean? That's great. Not to take their money, but to say hello yeah. and to be a part of their community, you know? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a great point, that if you do make an effort to be a, a positive part of the community and not just a business, you know, that's there focused purely on the on the money, then obviously the community will look after you as well. That's right. And, and you need to build those relationships. They're relationships. They're also relationships with suppliers long-term suppliers you know that that they don't actually care if you don't pay this week you've been you've been in you've been in the trenches for a year two years three years you know yeah and and um yeah it's quite uh it is quite emotional to 
Um, you know, you, you, once again, I'll talk about Phil. Phil had a panel shop, and, and in the eastern suburbs, you talk to anyone who's lived here for 20 years, if you crash your car, where do you take it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's only, there's only one name. Yeah, my dad's you know? had his car in there a few times, yeah. yeah. It, well, your dad needs to drive a bit better. <laughs> no, no he, has, he has a habit of buying cars that need a bit of work and perhaps overestimating his, uh, his talents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, my advice to people is, and I just gave you a little bit, is that people, people block um, what they want to achieve before they start. Hmm. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know what the brew was going to be when I started it. I definitely didn't know what um, Beckendale's was going to be before I started it. I just knew I wanted it to be an intrinsic part of our community. That's why we built both of them, you know. And the farm, the farm has grown from a relationship, you know, that we had through the wine industry. And and the farm is another very beautiful business that I'm very, very proud of. Where is that located? I haven't been there. It's at Warrandyke South. We share the property with Rob Dolan. Okay, I know the one. That's very close to my parents' place, just on that corner there. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You turn on that crazy bend out to Warrandyke. I love that corner. I shouldn't say We're uh, on 100. (laughs) Yeah, we've got um, a lease of 100 acres out there, and we've got a beautiful wedding reception venue and um, gardens and veggie gardens and stuff. And and I built Rob a cellar door, or we built... uh, Rob Dolan wines a cellar door at the other end of the old building. So mm-hmm. we share the space out there and we're very proud of that. But once again, we'd already been in business with Rob for a long time, buying his wines through the yeah. venues. So and the opportunity came up and we just, it was quite a, a natural and organic progression, you know? That's really cool. Um, yeah. you, you said before, I just want to um, take a step back there a moment where you said that um, you feel maybe in the past that your personality you'd maybe been taken advantage of uh, because of you being, as you say, a, more of a loving person than is perhaps ideal for kicking off a business. Is that a balance that you've learned to change, to be, I don't know, a little more um, shrewd and, and um, harsh? This, this is probably one of the proudest things I could say on this podcast is, no, I haven't changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm still me. And I had some very beautiful people look me in the face and say, don't change, but staff your weaknesses. Ah, that's cool. That's clever. So that is something that's not mine. That is something that, um, that Phil was told in his early days of his business. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's got me to understand that. And it took him a long time to understand it in the story that he tells. As you can see, Phil's become a big part yeah, of my story. Clearly. You know? um, but Phil learned a long time ago to staff his weaknesses. And that meant he could still be who he is. He didn't have to be that other person. You have that other person that looks after that part of the contract or that part of the negotiations. Mm. And if you change who you are as you go along on your path, then at the end, you're not the path you're on to set out to build a beautiful cafe where you just hung out and talked to people and tried to make everyone laugh every day. If you become a shrewd businessman at the end of the coffee machine, well, what was the point of doing it? Yeah. Great point. You know, you know, you've got to go out, you've got to be self. I, I had a very emotional conversation once uh, at a past players day at football. And I've got a mate who was very, um, if he ever listens to this, he'll know who he is. But um, we had a big blow up one day, too many beers, but we had a big blow up because he said I needed to change. And he said, as you get richer and as you make more money and as you have more employees, you can't be the same, but you, you're going to have to change. And he said, I've got a me with my wife. I've got a me when I'm with my kids. I've got a me when I'm at work and I've got a me when I'm out with you blokes on the tear. And I said, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard, mate, because you've only got two feet with two shoes on them. I said, I don't know how you can 
be 4 different people because you're lying to your wife, you're lying to your kids, you're lying at work and you're lying to me. Which one do you want to be? Wow. And go to work and go to work every day as that person. You know, I, I don't want to be two different people on two different days or in two different environments. Yeah. And and that's something that I feel really proud of. Has it made my journey harder? Yeah, it has. Has it made it hard on my wife? Yeah, it has. <laughs> <laughs> well, we probably shouldn't go too far into that. And you did, you did mention before that there's been touch and go moments there in the past. And I, I have the same fears as well. I, I have a partner and two kids and I do worry about the the impact on them if I tried to kick anything off. So I'm, I'm definitely glad that you've been able to make it work. Yeah, That's thank good. you. Thank you. What are you um are you done as far as new businesses go? Are you got any special projects in the works? Can we expect more sweet nah, venues? We are very very excited about the public brew at the moment. We've got a rebranding and a um a new direct. I think first of all we we had a few things in the pipeline before this mess happened. So um, we've been able to spend some time on our branding, our packaging, mm-hmm. what we're doing with our beers, what we're doing with our marketing. We're trying to put make a bit of a push into the Victorian beer scene when this is all over. Mm-hmm. Um, to tell you the dead set truth, surviving this uh, mess is a full-time job. Um, there is a really tragic side. If you start reading some of the business, you don't want to spend too much time reading too many articles. But um, a lot of small businesses won't won't come out of this. Yeah. Um, and that's a reality. There'll, there'll, I said earlier there'll be a change in the landscape. There will be a lot of different things done differently. And um, there there is a lot of uncertainty yet of how people are going to come it's, it still might be two months it still might be three months of these restrictions and businesses are hemorrhaging now businesses are uh if they haven't set themselves up or been as lucky as we have the next few months will be very hard still, well how you can know? you i mean how do you how do you prepare for something like this i mean everybody knows yeah, you've got to be able to live through you know low points but who could have imagined this well yeah my my point that's sort of upset for me that upsets me is um, there's businesses that are still operate. What is essential, you know? And mm. and for me, I said earlier that in great fires, people are hurt and floods, people are hurt and business. So you can still get your hair cut. And I'm not angry towards hairdressers, but ladies can't get their nails done or you can't go get a massage, but you can still get a haircut. Mm. And if you own a tyre joint, you can still sell tyres or you can still build full drive hot rods. But businesses like ours at, at um, 12.30 on Monday, I think it was the 17th, they walked in and said, you need to close your business. Like Literally walked in the door, what, the police? Well, the, the, just the just the um, the announcement was made through the government gotcha. that all hospitality businesses must close at, at 12.30. And, yeah. and for us, that just means uh, horrific... Um, that must have been a terrible thing to hear, far out. Oh, it was, it was heartbreaking. Yeah. It was dead set heartbreaking, but... At the same time, we were realising that we were put on the forefront of this pandemic. We were the hotspot of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, and we, what we've been made is it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, a dentist, a taxi driver, a cleaner. There is no – you all enjoy coffee. You all enjoy bacon and eggs. You all – a cafe is somewhere that bridges all of those um, demographics. And, and um, what, it, what, it, what it did, it showed that – this we were like an example of how much change had to happen. I feel if you shut all the cafes, people went, "Oh, yeah, well, that's that's serious. That affects me." There's not too many. If you're going to um, shut golf courses, it's only people that play golf. If it's if you're going to shut expensive restaurants, it's only people with the money. You know, like a cafe, takeaway coffee, and that sort of stuff. It reached everyone immediately. Mm-hmm. You know. 
And uh, I think it was an example. I think it's worked. I think Australia's done very well. It's just that it's hurt our industry. Yeah. You know? That's a fun. Yeah, I, I look at all of those, the places that have had to close and the places that have been able to stay open in some capacity, if not, if not full. And I think, you know, it's weird that that one has been allowed to stay open. As you say, who could, who could so badly need a haircut right now? But, you know, people have different needs out there. But then I also yep. think about the business itself, and I'm so glad that they've been allowed That's to stay exactly afloat. exactly right, mate. Yeah. They're still ticking away. They're still employing their staff. They're exactly. still, you know, I think that's that's exactly how you have to look. That's exactly how you have to look at it. You yeah. can't look at them and go, oh, why are they open? They're yeah. still making a dollar. Because that's when the community eats itself up. Yeah. You know, and as you said earlier, we really what we need now is to come together and be glad for those that are able to keep going rather than uh, be spiteful. Hundred percent. Funny thing, I um I shaved my head about a week into the to the lockdown, and then I, and then I heard that uh, barbers and hairdressers were allowed to stay open. And I thought, oh, I could be I could be throwing thirty bucks at Barbermaster right now, but instead I shaved my head and it felt terrible. Well, <laughs> now you know what you need to do. You need to spend that thirty bucks on takeaway beer. That's what you need to do. Well, I, know, I, I, I was thinking I, really I could do with a beard trim, but yes, you you're right. I need some beers as well beers and beer yeah, trim. I, I know a really good place i oh, do you any recommendations oh, good uh yeah there's one in uh, Croydon. <laughs> yes no I, I intend to uh jump on the website and put in an order actually i need to do that my yeah, uh, my budget's been cut a little bit in this time but I've got to do the right thing and if buying beer is doing the right thing dale i think i can make that happen sign so. me up that's what i'm saying <laughs> um we talked about so advice in the area we know what you're into do you have any anything you'd like to talk about anything you want to get the word out to all three of my listeners at this at this early stage in the show i just think that um the landscape i think that once this i think a lot of good will come out of this i think um if you i don't spend a lot of time on social media but there's some very clever memes and things out there Mm. of you know covid 19's caused men to stay at home and spend more time at home with their families. <laughs> it, um, families are riding their bikes together and walking with dogs. Yeah. Um, they're homeschooling and engaging in their kids' education. They're spending time on home improvements in their own environment. Like, they're all good things. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe we did lose our way a little bit. Maybe we did all aspire to go leave where we are and go somewhere else, you know, but if you spend all your time here in your own community, in your own house, in your own garden, at your own sporting club, that's something that I would like to do is reach out to all the people in the local sporting clubs who are struggling at the moment because um, that sense of community and loss is that that sense of loss of community for all those people that go to a sporting club or a netball club or a football club or a cricket club um, is a big thing in suburban Melbourne. Yeah, in absolutely. Suburban, yeah. In, in, in Australia, in the world, you know. And to be, for the first time in our lifetimes, to be told that you can't go down on Saturday and see your friends, it, it's that's going to have an impact, you know. So they need to stick fat and look after each other. But um, to get back to my point is maybe our little community here in Maroondah is a very beautiful pocket of the world and maybe we don't all have to quickly rush to leave it and go somewhere else. Spend some time in it and spend some time in the businesses there and go to the local gym and go to, lo- go to the local pool yeah. and, go, you know, We've got a beautiful in that the the council for all their flaws. Love you, everyone. <laughs> um, um, we do have fantastic assets here and parks and bike paths and 
pools and gyms. Yeah. And even now, those. like after I've been back in the area for five years now, and even now, you know, I, I don't get through a month without stumbling a little, a, across a little pocket or a, a park in the area. And I think, oh, I didn't know this existed. And it's gorgeous. And just driving around the streets of Marinda are gorgeous. They're treed. They're, well, I'm sitting here and I can see a council truck working on the Ken Avenue roundabout right now. I'm at Beckendale's at the moment. Right. And, um, and, you know, there's people working on the gardens. You know, that's important. And yeah. I think we don't, we don't notice that stuff. No, I and agree. I think, we, I think we expect it, but we don't notice it. Well, that's, that's one of the things about this time. I like to think, or, or I hope anyway, that people are remembering now that they live in an area, as you say, that is incredible in its own way. And there aren't, for me personally, there aren't many things I'm into or that I need to achieve that can't be done in the local area. And, you know, with really good service, really good style, because I am focused on that sort of thing. And, you know, it's, it's actually a pretty handsome place that we, that we live in now. And I'm really glad for it. I, I always say when I travel around a bit and people ask where the brewery is and that sort of stuff, if you were to draw a circumference around Melbourne of where Croydon is or Maroondah is outside of the CBD, you know, where we are, it is a beautiful old-fashioned suburb, like group of suburbs with established homes mm. and parks and, like, it is a beautiful place. And so much you know, history so, as well. Those other, those other areas, 30... 25, 30 k's from the city. They're pretty barren out and, you know, pretty unattractive outlooks, you know. Yeah. We've got the the Yarra Valley at our feet. We've got Mount Dandenong at our feet. You know, it's a pretty – we've got the Yarra over to the side there out at Warrandyte. It's pretty flash. When I – um. When I when we moved to the area, I was still going to uh, Doncaster Secondary College. That's where we moved from uh, for the first year that we moved here. And when I told friends that we'd moved to the Ringwood area in general, I had to say Ringwood. They'd never heard of Warrenwood or, or Croydon and yes. so on. Uh, you know, everyone was like, oh, the sticks. You know, or another person would say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's that ghetto you drive through on the way to the Yarra Valley. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't say yeah. it's a destination now in its own right. You know, you'd say to the people from Doncaster now, at least we've got a fancy train station. You don't even have a train station. <laughs> that's right. Now, shop, catch, our shopping centre's better the too. Bus, mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Park and ride. Good on you. Dale, mate, thank you so much. for. I, I feel like we could probably talk for another hour, but I don't think anybody uh, could sit through another hour of, of me. So um, we'll, we'll tie it up there. But thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, and I look forward to coming in and, and meeting you properly uh, the next yeah, time. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, th- thanks for the reach out and the opportunity. It's been uh, quite an experience. I've loved every minute. I'm glad to hear it. I hope that's the, the same for everybody I get on the show. <laughs> thanks very much, mate. Good one. Thanks, Dale. Thank you. See ya. Hey listeners, me again, Motormouth Mike Stevens. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, I had a great time talking to Dale and I've actually, as I said in the show, never really met him in person. So I'm really looking forward to getting down to the brewery and this time actually going up and saying g'day uh, like I haven't done in times past. I hope you will get down to the brewery as soon as you are allowed to, as soon as the doors are open and show the guys that you uh, appreciate what the brewery brings to our community. Have a few brews, uh, have some chips, have some burgers, and get stuck into it. But uh, for now, I hope you will hop onto Facebook and onto Instagram and give a follow to Making Marunda. And I hope you will tell your friends and family about it as well. But also, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. I would love to know what you would like to see on the show, uh, if there's anything you would like to see improved about it. And if there are any guests that you would like me to have on the show, uh, please let me know. In the meantime, stay tuned. I will have a new episode for you next week. I try to run them every week uh, on Wednesday. 
So you can look forward to that. I hope you will look forward to that. Until then, I hope you all have a great week. Thank you. Thank you.